Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. This is our fourth week in the series, One for All and All for One, and we're studying uh, chapter, today we're studying chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. Uh, we've been looking at chapters 11 through 16. And the idea of this series is understanding that Jesus is the one who was willing to sacrifice his life for all of us. So he died on the cross for all of our sins. And now as followers of Jesus, we represent the all who worship Jesus because he is the one. One for all and all for one. We begin today with the last sentence of chapter 12, which is what we talked about last week, the very last sentence of chapter 12, the Apostle Paul writes these words. He says, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. Last Sunday, we focused on the spiritual gifts that we are given by the power of his Holy Spirit. These spiritual gifts are given to us so that we can help each other. Paul in chapter 12 was addressing that there was some conflict that was taking place in the church at Corinth over the spiritual gifts. Why does that person have that gift and I have this? Why does their look, gift looks better than my gift looks like? You know, why, you know, we all do the comparison game. And Paul reminded the believers that we are all part of one body. We're not all individuals broken apart. No, we might come, to, come together broken but when we come as one body, we're unified together in Christ. So our gifts, these spiritual gifts that are given to us by the Holy Spirit are to help one another. And in the last portion of chapter 12, Paul insinuates that no one person possesses all of these spiritual gifts. And then he proceeds, Paul proceeds with the following statement. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. That's the last sentence of that chapter 12. The next gift that Paul reveals to all of us is declared the greatest gift of all. It's the greatest of all the gifts. Anybody have an idea of what that gift is? Love. Love. We're walking into 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And if you don't know this, uh, that is really referred to a lot of times as the love chapter. It's many times read uh, in marriages or in weddings. When there's a wedding that is performed many times, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that is quoted. Today I want to read the passage of Scripture in its entirety. And it's a beautiful passage that I think we need to really hear. And as I was praying about it, and as I was just thinking about how am I going to deliver today's message in the most effective way that it's going to penetrate our hearts and mind, I really felt like I'm not going to put the words on the screen today because I don't want you to be focused so much on the screens. I want you to use your ears today. And I want you to hear Paul's, this is one of the most beautiful writings that Paul has written. And I want you to hear his message. I want you to hear the words that the Lord had given Paul to write on these pages. And I want them to penetrate your heart and mind. If you need to close your eyes for a moment, just so that you can focus on what you're hearing, that's fine too. But listen to these words that the, Paul, that the Apostle Paul pins here. 1 Corinthians 13. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. 
if I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secrets, plans, and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things that will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that it's found in Scripture. That, Lord, that you gave Paul this revelation to write down for each and every one of us today, 2,000 years later, that we still say and that we still quote during weddings because it's such a powerful passage of Scripture. God, I pray that it's not just beautiful words, which they are, but God, I pray that today as we study your word, that it will take a greater life in us than ever before, that love, Lord God, will abound in each and every one of us. I ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. This is undoubtedly one of Paul's greatest writings. It is so poetic in nature. If you, as you read through it, I encourage you, if you have your Bibles or reading devices that you read God's Word on, I encourage you to open it up because we're going to stay in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But it uses both the negative and the positive descriptions of what love is and what love isn't. And it paints this beautiful picture of the love of God that God desires for each and every one of us to possess. He wants all of us to possess this. And Paul in chapter 13 is not declaring that the other spiritual gifts are not important. He's not doing that at all. But if we haven't discovered God's love, then we're missing the very foundation of the Christian faith because the foundation of the Christian faith is the love of God. Paul is by no means discarding the spiritual gifts. We can even see this in the very next chapter. Paul returns to these encouraging words of using our spiritual gifts towards strengthening the body of Christ. So this is kind of like a pause in the moment. Hey, let me remind you, but the greatest gift is love. Now then he goes back to the other spiritual gifts. But love always remains our highest goal. Let's look at the importance of why, how, why it's important that we lead with love. The first thought is this. 
Love brings purpose to your gifts. In verses 1 through 3, Paul writes that all the gifts are meaningless without the foundation of loving others. Because the ultimate purpose of the spiritual gifts, the ultimate purpose of why God has given us those gifts, is to reveal his love to other people. Otherwise, what Paul says, if we use those spiritual gifts that God has given to us, but we don't have love, what does he say? It's just loud, it's just loud noise. It doesn't make any sense. It's like a loud gong or clanging cymbal. It just keeps going over and over. It's nothing for you. It's unpleasant. The love that Paul is writing about is this agape love. That's the Greek word that you would read in the Bible. If you read the Greek, it says agape, A-G-A-P-E, but except it's in the Greek letters. Don't ask me to give the Greek letters right now. It's a self-giving love. It's a self-sacrificing love. It's willing to put others in front of yourself. In fact, the King James Version translates the word agape as charity because it carries this meaning of benevolence. It carries this meaning of goodwill. It's a love that is seen when Jesus put himself on the cross for your sins and for my sins. It was, it was a, a gift for all people. It was an act of goodwill. It's a love that proceeds even when the other person is undeserving. Even when someone else is undeserving, it's a love that is not seeking personal gain. Paul, in the first two verses, gives us a list of these greatest gifts. He talks about all the great gifts that we've just been studying about, all the different gifts, and we're going to keep on continuing in the next chapter. He talks about speaking in the languages of earth and angels and prophecy, or some would say tongues and prophecy and, and wisdom and knowledge, faith to do the impossible. But then Paul reminds us without love, it means nothing. Paul continues in verse 3 by describing the type of sacrificial giving. He says, if we even sacrifice, if we give everything we have, and it reminds me of the story that Jesus shares in the Gospels about the rich young ruler who comes to see, say, how do I enter in the kingdom of God? And, and eventually, long story short, Jesus tells him, go sell everything he has and give it to the poor. And it says in the scripture that this rich young ruler, after he heard the words of Jesus, go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor, it says that he left sad. Why did he leave sad? Because his love for his possessions, follow me, was greater than his love for God or for others. And so many times it's so easy to get caught into that scenario where we love things more than we love God. We love things more than we love people. See, love is what brings purpose and meaning to our gifts. If we don't have love, all we do is we have the gifts for our own selfish purpose. But when you apply love to those gifts, now they become powerful. Paul then even states, even if I sacrifice my body, if it's without love, guess what? It would mean nothing. Jesus gave up his body for a purpose. What was his purpose? It was a love for all people, for all mankind. He was willing to be the sacrifice for our sins. I think of others who gave up their lives or tried to give up their lives in the Bible. I think of the three young Hebrew men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 3, where all of a sudden they're taken into the first furnace of the fiery furnace, and it says in Scripture that they offered up their bodies. 
Think about that thought. Why? Why would they offer up their bodies? It was because of the purpose. The purpose behind that was because they loved God more than anything else. And when Nebuchadnezzar asked them to bow down and to worship him, they said, we will not bow down and worship you because we will only worship the one true God. And when he found that out, guess what? They were sent to this fiery furnace, and yet God rescued them. They did not die. In fact, it looked like there was a son of man himself that was in the fire with them. And they walked out, and it says their clothes and nothing on them felt, smelled like smoke. God rescued them. Why? Because God, they honored God with their love. Love is important. It's our love for God and for others that brings purpose to our sacrifice. The Apostle Paul states, we could boast about our good deeds and sacrifice, but there would be nothing gained but self-praise. Our good deeds wouldn't go beyond ourselves, and that would be a horrible thing, guys. That'd be sad. See, agape love is putting others first. It's If our gifts are not putting others first, then our gifts are for our glory and not for God's glory. The next thought I want to share with you is love brings greater opportunities. Verses 4 through 7. In the next four verses, Paul describes what love is and what love is not. Notice how Paul describes love as more of an action than a feeling. By giving us a list, it's not, it kind of reminds me of you know, when we raise a child, we have a list of do's and don'ts. And Paul gives us a list of do's and don'ts about love. Let's start with the do's. Paul begins with patience. The Greek word describes the ability to suffer. It, it's described as the ability to suffer long. It's the idea of persevering, not to retaliate with anger. It's the word that Jesus used in his parable of the unforgiving debtor. Remember that story when, when the king forgave all the debts of this, of this servant that he had? He forgave, and it was millions and millions of dollars. He forgave all the debts. But as soon as this servant left and he met another servant that owed him a few, few thousand dollars, maybe max, Guess what? He demanded that immediately. He had zero patience and he threw him into prison. It's the same word is used in this passage of scripture of, of long suffering, of patience. It really leads to forgiveness. Because that's what gave the that's what the king did. He forgave all the other man's debts. Paul says, love is kind. And this is beyond the idea of just being polite. It's not just being polite. The Greek word describes someone who serves others even when mistreated. When was the last time you helped someone who treated you wrong, wrongly? Love is kind. That's a hard one, guys. That's hard for me. It's hard for all of us. But that's what agape love is. Now Paul describes what love is not. And he goes down. It's interesting that Paul has more of what love is not than what love is. Love is patient, love is kind. Then he goes, this is what love is not. It's not jealous. It appears this was a struggle in the church of Corinth. I think this is probably one of the main reasons he shared it. It's not jealous, guys. People were jealous of spiritual gifts of each other and maybe even of other people's financial success. And love should never celebrate, love should celebrate, love should celebrate the success of others, not envy them. It's the 10th commandment, thou shalt not covet. We need, to be, we need to be happy for others. Love is not boastful, proud, or rude. 
Boasting is about self-promotion. If you forgot what boasting looks like, <laughs> if you watch the presidential debate, you'll understand what boasting looks like. I mean, I, 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 I. After a while, you're just disheartened. And there's no consideration for the importance of others. It's not team promotion, it's self-promotion through that whole thing. And, you know, it's all the same. It's, I'm not trying to put down an any polit- I'm just saying that's what it seemed like to me. And I read a statement the other day, which I felt like it was so good. It says, there are many ways of manifesting pride. There are many ways of manifesting pride. And love is in- incompatible with all. Love and pride just don't mix. They're like oil and water. They do not mix. They do not go together. Love does not demand its own way. That's what Paul says the next thing of the don'ts. Love does not demand its own way. Love is the opposite of self-seeking. Agape love thinks of others first. Love keeps no record of being wronged. Whoa, let's just land there for a minute. Keeps no record of being wrong. Most of us enjoy keeping records. Come on. When we've been offended, we've been hurt. We drag that stuff around like we have a teddy bear along our side. It's like a little kid with a teddy bear. We take our wrongs and our hurts and our offenses, and we just hold them tight to us, and we just walk around with our little teddy bear. We keep records of wrong. Paul writes, love doesn't keep records of wrong. It forgives. The word translated, it keeps account, is the Greek word logizomai. Logizomai. It's where our English term Logic or logical is derived. That's where we get the word logic, is this whole idea of keeping record. When Paul says, I, it keeps no record of wrong, what Paul is saying, the agape love that God showed us, the agape love that God wants us to show others, doesn't make logical sense. It's not logical. Why would you show someone love who hates you? Because the Bible tells us to. We'll just sit there for a minute. Let everybody think about that for just a moment. Love does not rejoice about injustice or wrongdoing. Love is the opposite of evil. Love love absolutely rejoices in the truth. Why would anyone love injustice? Maybe because they've been offended and want revenge no matter if it's right or wrong. And we see a lot of that in today's world. People wanting revenge on someone, even if they're not wrong, even if they're living in righteousness, they want them to fall down because they just don't like them. They're secretly rejoicing at someone's downfall instead of loving them. It reminds me of those who wanted Jesus crucified. Jesus did no wrong, yet they were rejoicing that he was being crucified. They weren't rejoicing in the truth. They were rejoicing in their hate. Have you ever thought about that? When we hold those offenses and those hurts and those jealousies, we're rejoicing in things, something that is opposite of God's love. How do we reconcile that? This is why Paul says it's so important that the greatest of the gifts is love. Otherwise, none of the other gifts will really make any sense or really will have any effect or really have any, any impact. We need God's love. 
In verse 7, Paul comes to an end of his description of love. And I like the ESV translation of verse 7. It says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It's really a word-for-word translation of the Greek. Bears all things. Love bears all things. Meaning, instead of exposing people's wrongs, love covers people's wrongs. 1 Peter 4.8 says, love covers a multitude of sin. Love believes all things. Love is eager to believe the best of others, not the worst. Our human nature always wants to believe the worst. Do you know what I'm saying? We always want to, oh, 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 oh. For you conspiracy theorists, stop there. Stop believing the worst. We always want to believe the worst. Don't. Don't fall into that trap. It's really, this one here believes all things. It's really the foothold of racism. It wants to believe the worst. That's where it starts from. It's, it's our heart. If we get rid of that, that, that desire to believe the worst and start practicing love, believing the best, man, there's some great things that could happen in our lives. This, that deserved a really loud amen, but that's okay. It's a good amen. Yeah, there we go. Not for me, but for God, because God's given us this for us. Love hopes all things. It's the refusal of giving up on others. It's cheering people on to victory. I remember Annette ran a race, a marathon race, or what is that, 6K or whatever it was, 5K in Vegas. And she wanted people at the end line cheering her on to victory. She wanted someone to be back there. Come on, you can do it, Annette. She got to the end and she had all the Chippendale dancers there waiting for her. <laughs> only in Vegas, people, only in Vegas. It is a true story. Hope all things, cheering people on to victory. Catch this thought it's seeing in others what they don't see in themselves, in the good sense is seeing in others what they might not even see in themselves. And it's, and it's encouraging that gift to another level. Do you realize you have this gift? Do you re- I see in you, it's cheering them on. That's what love does. It doesn't say, oh, I want my gift. For it. I don't know, they, they're, they're threatening me. No, no, it's like, man, you got such a great gift. It's not worrying about myself. It, what happens if they become, you know, like you're both running for a promotion. Maybe they're the first supposed to have the promotion. Maybe you're supposed to have the problem. We always think about ourselves, even in the sense of God's word, even in the sense of everything that we do, we have a tendency to think God's word is for me and me alone. Instead of thinking about what is it for others. See, the gifts are not for as much me as it is to help others. What do I see in others? Am I hoping all things? Love endures all things. It means that our love does not stop when, we, when life becomes difficult. Brett kind of shared about that. Love does not stop when life becomes difficult. Jesus never stopped loving. Even when he was enduring the cross, do you remember the words that Jesus shared to those who were go- that were about to kill him? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Love. Love will always bring an opportunity for a greater triumph. That's why love is so important. 
The last thought I want to share with you today is from Paul's writings that love never stops. It's verses 8 through 13. In verse 8, we see the words from the New Living Translation that love will last forever. Some translations state love never fails or love never ends. Paul is comparing love to all the other spiritual gifts. And Paul is not stating that the other spiritual gifts are not important. And I want you to make sure you understand that those other spiritual gifts are important. But they will not last for all of eternity. There is no need for prophecy when we are with Jesus. There is no need for unknown language or speaking in tongues when we are in heaven. There is no need for a special word of knowledge when you are with knowledge. When you are with the omniscient one, the King of kings and Lord of lords who is all-knowing. Those gifts will no longer be of use. But love, love is the language of heaven. Have you ever thought of that? That's what the language of heaven is going to be, is love. Love will be the foundation of our relationships in heaven as it's supposed to be right now here on earth. Heaven will not be about selfish gain. Heaven will be about selfless living. It seems that the church in Corinth, tongues took a priority in the church and they were struggling with some of that stuff and it was seen as more of the greater gifts and Paul kind of reminded him as maybe the least of the gifts because it's, it, the other things are more edifying. But loving one another didn't seem to matter as much. It mattered little compared to all the other gifts. And Paul's going, whoa, wait a minute, guys. We've got to flip this upside down. Love is the greatest of the gifts. Paul is challenging their thinking. What does it matter if you have the prophecy or great words of knowledge but have not love? Love will last for all of eternity. You better learn to love now. Otherwise, you're not going to fit into heaven. I'll just be quiet there for a moment and let you think about that. If you're struggling with loving now, what is it going to feel like when you get into heaven? Have you ever been invited to a party or to an event? I have. And I don't feel like I fit in. And part of it is I'm an introvert by nature. And I'm standing over there going like, oh, what do I do now? 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 What, where, oh, my goodness. How do I handle this thing? Boy, I don't want to get into heaven and feel that way. I don't want to get into heaven and go, man, I don't know. Man, I want to get in heaven already experiencing God's love so much here on earth and giving out God's love so much here on earth that when I get in heaven, it's just second nature. I go, oh, my gosh, this is wonderful. This is awesome. And I'm running in like a kid in a candy store. I'll take one of those. I'll take one of those. I'll take one of those. Because I know his love. It's part of me. It's part of who I am. Come on. Amen. Love will always have a purpose because it's one of the things in life that doesn't fail. Agape love, selfless love, will always encourage us to greater living. In verses 9 and 10, Paul affirms that our knowledge is only partial. We don't see everything. We don't understand everything while we are here on this earth. But one day the partial will be no more and, it will, and we, will be, uh, we will be with the perfect one who is Jesus. And it will be at that time that, with that perfection that there is no more need for the temporary in our life. In verses 11 through 12, Paul illustrates his point by referring to the maturing process of a child into an adult. A child thinks like a child. We watched our grandson Vinny 
Friday afternoon, he comes over to our house, and we have all these different toys at our house already for him. He's, Vinny's almost two years old now. And uh, sorry, you got to hear about Vinny so much, but it's my grandson, so there you go. He gets to our house, and Annette has this uh, bag of, of, of plastic balls. They're red, blue, yellow. The ones that, you know, they have them in the ball pits and stuff. And, and then she also has this little uh, toy, um, what do you call it, kind of like a dart gun of some sort, you know. And it's interesting that when he grabs those things, the first thing he thinks about as a child is, what can I knock over? <laughs> so he looks like at the pictures on the, on the, on, you know, on the shelves. And he's looking about ready to throw it. I said, no, Vinny, don't throw it at that. He says, and some of you adults right now, some of you guys are thinking, yeah, that would be fun. Let's do it. You know, you're thinking like you're at the arcade there at, uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, let's do it. Pro bass shop. And so Vinny's thinking that direction because he's, but he doesn't realize that if he throws that ball and he hits that frame, and if it comes crashing down, the glass is going to break and it's going to make a mess and it's also going to be dangerous. He doesn't realize that at his age. He's just ready to have fun. It represents how we as believers, Paul is trying to share that idea of being a child, but I acted like a child, but now as an adult, it represents how we as believers are currently limited here on earth. We only see part of the picture. And this is what Paul is talking about in this illustration. Paul even uses a second illustration about a mirror. The mirrors in Paul's day were imperfect. They were, they were made of polished metals, and very few could afford a good quality mirror. And you looked in the mirror, and it really didn't give you a good reflection because it's just polished metal. And if, if you didn't have enough money, it wasn't polished very well. And so it was probably a very poor reflection of what you actually looked like. It's not like today's mirror. You know, Annette has one of those magnifying mirrors. I look into it. My gosh! Are you kidding me? I, I mean, I never knew I had wrinkles and pores. And I mean, you can see everything. And the blackheads. And I'm about ready to die when I look in that mirror. It's horrible. I want to go back to the, the old polished metal mirrors, okay? <laughs> but seriously, there's a day when the partial will, no, will be no more. Because the complete, the complete will be seen. Everything will be clear and make sense. I think about that sometimes. How wonderful that's going to be. Paul states that we, I want you to catch this thought because this is just mind-blowing. Paul states that we will know God in the same manner as God knows us now. Fully. Fully. We now come to the very last verse of this chapter and let me read it to you again. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. Three things will last forever, forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Paul wants us to understand that these three truths have eternal value, faith, hope, and love. Paul reveals a unity between these three truths. He really can see this unity. We can see the unity at work in verse 7 where it says, Love, love never gives up, never loses faith is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. These three truths are linked together throughout the New Testament. You'll see them linked together. First Thessalonians chapter 1, it says, As we pray to our God and Father about you, we think of, of, your, of your faithful work, your loving deeds, 
and the enduring hope that you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. These truths are found in Jesus. These are the truths that will last for all of eternity. As you might know, faith is one of the Apostle Paul's dominant themes of his life. He's, in fact, many people refer to the Apostle Paul as the Apostle of Faith. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by, the faith, my, by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Those are Paul's words. Paul understood faith. Faith is, in Jesus was the cornerstone of his salvation. And then some of we see faith, hope, and love, and, and hope might not be seen as, as, such, as strong as faith and love. Yet throughout the centuries, hope is what lifted people from sickness. Hope is what lifted people from slavery. Hope is what lifted people from racism and from other evils and from abuse. Our hope in Jesus is a powerful force. But no matter how wonderful hope is, no matter how powerful faith is, Paul states the greatest truth that you and I can have, the greatest truth is love. Say that with me. Love. It's the two commandments that Jesus left us with. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And love others as you would love yourself. John sums it up this way. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. If you, don't, if you don't understand love, if you don't know love, you don't know God. That's who God is. Throughout this passage of Scripture, Paul makes it abundantly clear that without love, we have gained nothing. We can do all the most wonderful things. We can give all of our money to the poor. We can do all these different things. But without love, it means nothing. It reminds us that works, great works is good, but great works are not going to get you to heaven. It's your love for God. Because you're replicating what His love is for you. It's your faith in Him. It's your love and faith in Jesus that opens the door to salvation and eternal life. And it's the light that catches. It's the light that reflects God's love to others. My final words for you today is, let's love well. Let's love well. That's what the Apostle Paul really encourages us to do. Let's love well. All these other gifts are great. But the most important, let's love well. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that your word does not return void, that it is powerful and it's effective. And I pray for each and every one, including myself here today, Lord God, for every person that is breathing right here, right now, that your love would take on a greater revelation in each one of our lives, that your love would shine brighter, not just for our sake in the sense that we can feel and sense your love, but even in a greater sense so that, Lord, we will be a light to others. Let your love shine well in each and every one of us. We thank you that, God, your love is powerful and it's effective and it impacts our lives. Before we close today, we're about ready to worship here. But I just feel impressed, as I do on many Sundays, that if you're here today and you've never experienced the love of God, you don't understand that God loves you so much that he gave, he was willing, Jesus was willing to sacrifice his own life on the cross. 
And he wants you to experience that love. And if you're here today and you've never experienced that love, you've never made that choice to follow after Jesus. Or maybe, you, maybe you're just missing on the love part where you're just like, man, I've been trying to put my faith, but man, Pastor Tom, I just don't feel his love. And with every head bowed, eyes closed for just a moment, if you're here today and you say, man, I want this love that you're talking about, Pastor Tom, I need this love. I need to have this acceptance of, of who Christ is in my life. I need to know that I am forgiven, that he loves me so much, that not that he just died for me 2,000 years ago, but that he cares for me today. I'm here to declare to you today, he cares for you. He loves you. He's watching after you. He sees you. He knows your name. And if you're here today and say, Pastor Tom, I want to know that love, just raise your hand real high. I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand back there. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just say this prayer. And if, if you're here today and you're raising your hand for a prayer of salvation to accept Christ, we're going to say that. But if you're here also just to experience more of God's love, I'm going to pray over you today, believing in faith. That God's just going to pour out that greatest gift that he has, his love, into your heart and into your mind in a greater way than you've never had before. Lord Jesus, I thank you for each person that's here today. For those who are making a choice to follow after you, I pray right now that they would surrender their hearts and just everybody repeat after me. Lord Jesus, today I surrender my life to you. Forgive me my sins. Set me free from my past. Set me free from my hurts. Give me your love. Give me the power of your Holy Spirit. Help me to follow after you. In Jesus' name, amen. And Lord, for those today that maybe just aren't experiencing your love in a way that we need, for each and every one of us, maybe for some that he, here that even haven't raised their hands, that they have a tendency to respond in jealousy, they have a tendency to respond in hate or anger or whatever it might be. God, I pray for everyone with an open heart here today that we would experience more of your love than ever before. I pray that your love will impact us this week. That, Lord God, even how we react to others, how we react to circumstances, how we, how we see a problem, we don't think about the problem, we think about the people around the problem. That, God, our love will be um, so impactful to others that they will see Jesus in us. Lord, I pray that that love that's only can really be experienced by the power of your spirit, that love will set in each and every one of us this week, I pray, in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Will you stand with me today? Thank you for being at church. Thank you for making the commitment to say, hey, I'm going to take the time to church. I'm going to get into service and worship. I'm going to hear God's word. And if you need prayer here today, at the end of the service, we're going to have some of our prayer team down here. We would love to just spend some time and pray with you as well. If you're a guest here today, uh, stop by and see my wife, Annette, and me. and Just say hi real quick. We'd love to welcome you here to South Coast Christian. Thank you for being here at the church. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. 
Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.